0: Hello and welcome back to Table Talk with ABFI, I'm Matt Knight. Today we're going to be joined by Sean and Aaron Rayner with Vets Group. They're a 102-year-old business and we're going to hear about some of their changes over the years. Um, they're going to talk to us about how they've managed conflict um, between siblings over their their leadership in the in the company, and we're going to hear about some of their early journey in entrepreneurship, including how you can sell rocks. All right. Well, joining me today is Sean and Aaron Rayner with Vets Group. Um, we'll dive into a couple of questions and get to know a little bit more about Vets Group. Um, but first, I um, just wanted to kind of check in, see how you guys are doing, and see if you could tell me a little bit about the about your company, um, just kind of the high level elevator speech. Um, Why don't we start with you, Sean?
1: Okay. Um, So today, the VETS group is made up of two operating entities. VETS Sheet Metal, which is the the founding business, the business that was uh, started over 100 years ago uh, by uh, Fred Rayner, and VETS Facility Services. So VETS Sheet Metal does large industrial ventilation projects. Uh, Specifically, we design, engineer, manufacture and install uh, dust collection systems for all kinds of industries like uh, forestry, agriculture, mining, uh, as, as well as industrial air handling, uh, fresh air for all kinds of other applications. And then Vets Facility Services uh, also does um, uh, HVAC for commercial uh, commercial facilities, commercial buildings. We do HVAC maintenance contracts, plumbing service, etc. Uh, and that's that's the that's our short version introduction.
0: Nice. Okay. Excellent. Um, so maybe we'll we'll dive into um, just kind of the high level um, history and background of the family business. Um, so if you want to kind of get into that starting um, patriarch um, type type starting point and go from there, sure.
1: Uh, Aaron, you want to lead us off that way?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. There's a story that I I identify with and I really like to tell from our our family business history. So. Fred Rayner immigrated to Canada and then went back to the United Kingdom to fight in World War I. He was injured relatively quickly and spent time recovering from his injuries. And he met a woman by the name of Fanny uh, while he was in hospital. And Fanny, somehow he convinced Fanny to come back to Edmonton with him in 1919 or so after he was discharged from the military, and she came back to Edmonton with him. While he was trained as a carpenter, he got a job at a company called Barry's Sheet Metal. And uh, was working at Barry's Sheet Metal in Edmonton. And do you remember party lines? Like the multiple phone line version, not the pay yeah. by the minute version. I call them the original social media Okay. because If, you know, my ring was one rings and Sean's ring was two rings and your house's ring was three rings, you could pick up on my one ring and hear about my conversation, right? So these were really popular in uh, post-World War I Canada. It was a way cheaper way to get phones across this giant country. And one day, Fanny was uh, eavesdropping on somebody else's conversation. And she overheard uh, somebody at Barry's talking about having to lay somebody off and and they were doing some layoffs and Fred's name came up and Fanny was a bit of a spitfire and she spoke up and said, don't worry about it, tell him he quits and send him home. And so Fred went home that day and uh, they had a a son and he really needed to find uh, another job. And he was a very industrious fellow from what I hear. Um, He started vets Sheet Metal from there and rolled a roll of sheet metal (coughs) under his arm and road bikes or road streetcars to different residential job sites uh, throughout Edmonton, installing what was patented as—and I sometimes get this wrong—patented as a gravity-fed gas furnace mm-hmm. um, that he installed in many post-war Edmonton homes. Okay. It was called the Vets Supreme. <laughs> yeah, pre Lennox.
0: Okay. Nice. Okay. and then how did it kind of go from there? And like, what kind of maybe walk me through some of the generational changes or the business changes, yeah, um, kind of from, years. Yeah, <laughs> <kinda> <laughs> from that gravity-fed gas furnace on. So, Fred, uh,
1: Fred. Started the business in 1921 and named it Vets, which was a, a common prefix, right, for for uh, businesses back in that era. You Vets butcher shop, Vets taxi, Vets mm-hmm. all these things because of the uh, all of the the veterans who had returned from the uh, from the First World War. Um, and he built and ran that business, and, and uh, you know, he had a, a number. He had his his two sons worked there off and on, uh, and as he was. Uh, The way I understand it, he he was approaching his 55th birthday uh, and uh, his one son, Gordon, was working in the business and his other son, the oldest son, Alan, uh, was off doing something else. He was training as he had a passion for aviation hmm. uh, and he was training to be a, an aircraft mechanic of some kind and wanted to, uh, had aspirations of, of a Northern Airline business. Okay. Um, and he got a, a telegram of some sort that said, uh, hey, I turn 55 in uh, three months, uh, come home and take over the business. <laughs> and so he did. And so Alan took over the business in 1946 and uh, and ran the business, uh, grew it, and it, it changed and grew and evolved over Alan's tenure. And Alan was our grandfather. Okay. He was a, a community minded fella and a, a entrepreneurial guy. He had a couple of other um, vets named businesses through his tenure but the business really grew from that point Uh, he was less the hands-on operator of a business and he he went out to find other uh, other technologies and other things to, to help grow the business. He got into, you know, air conditioning, uh, mm. and became one of the first Lennox dealers in Alberta. Um, he drove to Syracuse, New York and did a bunch of training so he could understand, uh, and hired people to run the business. And, uh, you know, uh, as a, as a financial person, as an accountant, uh, to, to do that. And, um, the business grew to be, you know, well over a hundred employees. Uh, <laughs> as the business became, the city grew and changed, and it became more, you know, less residential and then more commercial, uh, you know, and and institutional and city buildings, and university. A lot of buildings on the university campus when they were first built, vets did the the ventilation for, <laughs> um, and so uh, as as Alan approached retirement. Um, our dad, our father, David, um, became involved in Vets sheet metal after having worked in one of the other Vets businesses, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he took over, uh, operations of business in, uh, 1977. So that ebb of the sort of the commercial and institutional construction boom was, was kind of changing and evolving at that point in time. Uh, and, um. Uh, Uh, David, I almost called him Alan. His middle name is Alan. David started to pivot the company and the focus to small industrial construction projects uh, and custom job shop manufacturing. Aaron likes to say that uh, David was uh, a reluctant entrepreneur um, because he had a very low risk tolerance and and often um, struggled with... uh, determining how how he could come to terms with the risk of a project. uh, Or
2: mitigated entirely. Or
1: mitigated entirely. And in the construction, yeah, Mm
2: -hmm. like construction and entrepreneurship melded together does not equal a low risk business. And it didn't matter what he, he tried really hard to find ways to write contracts or edit contracts so that he would remove as much risk as possible. And uh Changed a lot of the course of the business. Yeah. yeah, for that generation. Yeah,
1: the the business changed, and and they did some neat projects <coughs> in in David's tenure, uh, but it changed from a, a large sort of preeminent sheet metal commercial uh, institutional sheet metal contractor to a a niche small job shop fabricator uh, that did. Also did industrial ventilation projects, um, and uh, for the majority of David's tenure running the business, um, you know, he said, well, uh, the, the, the the whether uh, whether he worked really really hard or he didn't work very hard, you know, in his in his words, you know, we did. 1.8 to 2.4 million. And if I did 1.8 million, I lost my, you know what? And if I made, if we did 2.4 million in revenue, we made a pretty decent buck. Hmm. Uh, and um, that, that was, you know, economic times through the, the mid 80s, uh, through the, the mid to late 90s in Alberta were, uh, were pretty tough at times. So yeah. they, they they bumped along sort of thing.
2: It was tough for an extended period of time. I think sometimes when I think back, um, growing up and looking back now at David's tenure in the organization, that reluctance, while I say he was a reluctant entrepreneur, I think that reluctance is one of the things that got us to the point where we could be here today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if he had had a different risk tolerance, uh, we might not have been able to be here. We th- the the mm-hmm. company may not have made it through those extended long periods of high interest, uh, econ- economically unstable times. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yep, absolutely. And um, as as David was approaching, uh, as we were getting a little older, uh, Dad started. Uh, I think he won a membership to the Canadian Association of Family Enterprise okay Uh, and we we got involved in in some of those um trainings and discussions and educations and actually came and did the roadmap course uh how old were you circa 1999 or 2000 like I think I was 20 or 19 Hmm. uh
2: I think I was 19
1: okay so I was like (laughs) no anyway we were uh we were it was it was before our time per se to start those conversations (laughs) yeah and uh but they set the stage um having had some of those conversations early in in our development you know we we chose paths for schooling and and whatnot that um tried to set us up in some ways to, to be entrepreneurial, to, to take on some business uh, acumen as we grew uh, into, uh, into wanting to own the business. And um, it was a good thing we did because uh, in, after we finished, Aaron and I each independently finished our own post-secondary, uh, we ended up in Toronto uh, independently at different jobs, mm. different roles, different industries.
2: Yeah, um, and I call it our externship yeah I so it's away from the business away from the family away from community and the things you know yeah. um yeah and i worked in film and television at the cbc and hmm. for the toronto international film festival and sean did something totally different and got his mm-hmm. cut his teeth in sales <clears throat>
1: yeah. yeah yeah i worked in uh, sales, uh, telecom, okay, uh, and, you know, which was kind of an exciting and tumultuous time in that industry too. So,
0: it um, okay. well, leads me nicely into the next question, which was just to kind of get a an overview of both of your professional journeys. Oh. So, kind of what you did in school, how you got into the business, and kind of that, like you know, mapping out how you got to today. Okay, uh, do you want to go first?
2: Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> yes, let's. Okay. Um, yeah, so I did, growing up, I was, I would say I was an entrepreneurial kind of person, but it was a different kind of entrepreneurism. I sold painted rocks from a very early age. And, uh, door to door. to door. From to the door, people you
1: borrowed the rocks from.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah it, was, it, was a, it was very, very vertically integrated. <laughs> I would, you know, ask if you I could take this thing you didn't need, and then I would add value to it, and then I would sell it back to you you know Um, and then I went to I thought I would I wanted to be a jazz singer Okay. so I went to Grant McEwen and did the music program at Grant McEwen after which um, I realized that there were a lot of people around who sang a whole lot better than I did and um, I wanted to be an artist rep so represent artists and manage artists and when I talked to the music director at Grant McEwen at the time. He said, go take business. That'll help you anything. Anywhere you could decide to go, do, go and take business. So I left and traveled for a while, and I came back, and I was hanging out with Sean one day, and he had already started the Nate program um, for business administration. Okay. And uh, so he was a semester ahead of me, and he was like, you really need to do this program. You would really like this program. Hmm. And so I got, finally got into the Nate program, and... Then we went to Toronto. That's where that happened. We went to. I did an internship in Toronto and a couple of internships actually in sponsorship management and with a sponsorship agency and mm-hmm. with the film festival and and then decided to move back there after finishing my diploma at Nate. And um, when it came time, like Sean and I, eventually ended up living together with another friend in Toronto and Hmm. we would sit around and talk about the family business and what if, and what would we do and how would this go? And
1: and, we knew so much about it at the time.
2: (laughs) Right, thank goodness, thank goodness we were able to like spitball those things when we knew nothing about it. And I never really necessarily saw a place for myself in the business as Hmm. it was at that time. Yeah. So one day we got a call from our parents and like our stories are really gonna intersect. Mm -hmm. I got a call from our parents, you know, we need to have a chat. Okay, so we put them on speakerphone one day and that's when we found out our dad had cancer. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, it was similar to the phone call that maybe Alan got. It's like, well, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got cancer. You know, if you've been thinking about doing anything in this business, you better come back now. And
1: And that was November, uh, 2003. Mm -hmm. And we, he he went in for surgery, basically a couple of days later, and we hopped a plane and came home for while. Dad was here having his surgery. We were here for a week and then talked about it. Went to the business and looked around, talked to the people, and a little bit. And uh, Dad came out of his surgery um, okay, and we flew back to uh, we flew back to Toronto. Essentially, packed our stuff into a U-Haul, gave notice at work, and drove home.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so that's I stepped into the eighty-five year old HVAC company from I was working at the CBC <laughs> with the nature of things with David Suzuki. Then I came back to Edmonton and stepped into the eighty-five-year-old HVAC company. Wow.
1: And and the business looked very different at that time than yeah. it does today. So mm-hmm. we had um, you know, I, I kind of gave the range of, of revenues that David said uh the business did throughout his tenure. And um uh, we had 18 employees, you know, uh, I, I want to say 19 with the two of us uh, yeah. coming in trying to figure out what should we do, what needs to be done. Um, and, uh, for the first, I want to say four months or so, um, we set to, at, at the advice of the long-term external accountant that had kind of, they've done our, our businesses, their firm has done our businesses books for since 1947. Wow. Uh, you know their the relationship with uh, with David and with the business. They gave us advice. They said, "You guys uh, put together a business plan, come and present it to uh, to, to me, the accountant, mm-hmm. and to mom and dad, and then uh, we'll we'll talk succession." So mm-hmm. so that's what we did. We we. Put together we looked at the business looked at the, like did a bit of a swot analysis looked at the market what could we do what should we do where are the opportunities uh, and aaron helped develop and write that plan for me basically uh with with my uh with my help and and we we put together a plan uh, presented a succession uh business plan mm-hmm. to mom and dad and uh, and the accountants at their office um and uh, waited for the yes or no and uh and and it was i don't think there was ever an option for it to be no <laughs> it was yes yeah, yeah. and and so we did um uh then we started the succession process from there and aaron actually left the business at that point okay. uh went out to uh do her own thing worked for a couple of other places in town and then started her own marketing and event planning company and uh and i stayed in the business and and started to try and execute that plan and build the business growing forward. And it's, it's been a journey.
2: Yeah. One of the things that I, sorry. One of the things that I say about that decision to leave is that um, it's not a, being in a family business. And one of the things that kind of had to, uh, I had to come to terms with as somebody who chose to leave the business Mm -hmm. was that it wasn't about making the 85 year old hvac company fit me yeah um it was did i fit (laughs) and at that time i didn't and so there was a lot of of thought and and um in some ways grief Mm -hmm. uh leaving leaving the business at that time but if I hadn't, I wouldn't have done all the other things I did, which was great.
0: That kind of prepared you for what you're doing in the organization today, probably.
2: Hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Okay. So why don't we back up again, and we'll we'll kind of go through your your journey a little bit, John, and then we'll sure.
1: Yeah, mine feels a lot shorter. Like Aaron touched <laughs> on it, in about a <laughs> sentence and a half, and yeah, that was it. Okay. No, I. Um, so uh, I graduated high school, and I was going to take uh, I was going to take a year off because Aaron did, yeah. and uh, do something else. So I actually. Um, I got a job uh, at one of our suppliers. Uh, I'm sure at the telephone request of my dad because I dropped <laughs> off resumes uh, and hadn't had a call back. And he says, so did you hear back from uh, Sinclair Supply? Was, no. Well, <laughs> oh, I got a call the next day from a, a, a nice gentleman over there. And I went in for an interview and he said, yeah, you start tomorrow. Well, okay. So I worked in the warehouse for uh, at Sinclair Supply. And they're a local... Uh, western canadian based hvac and sheet metal distribution company they do uh, parts components um, sheet metal bits and pieces and thermostats and uh, all kinds of stuff Uh, and so i worked there for about three four four months when i realized maybe i should just skip the year off part and go to school and i Mm -hmm. applied to to nate um for the january start and uh and i got in i found out that i got in uh, like uh, classes started january 8th and i found out i got in uh january 8th so wow. i i got a call at lunch uh <laughs> that said uh oh yeah we have a spot for you would you can you be here tomorrow to start class okay so i I gave the nice gentleman at sinclair supply about an hour's notice and that was it so i went to school uh at nate um did the two-year program there similarly in looking for a job uh in as an externship Mm -hmm. um i applied i I really like sales Uh, i like talking to people um i like uh, building relationships i like selling stuff um and uh I, i worked at Uh, in menswear when I was going to school loved it it was a blast and then um, I was applying for jobs all over the place because I did uh, I wanted to go somewhere else and try my hand at at life uh, on my own and uh, I applied for jobs all over Canada um, and in the states even and um I I was also a sailing instructor at the time and (laughs) and so I was applying for jobs in the Grand Cayman uh, for uh, sailing instructors. So I ended up getting a job in Toronto. Um, I had about a week and a half to pack my stuff, pack my stuff into the car. I put my car on a train, we went on a family vacation to Mexico, came back, did laundry, got on the plane and moved to Toronto. (laughs) uh and i worked for uh, a little over two years uh in uh, telecom in toronto and uh, had a blast doing it and came back uh, to try
0: my hand at the business so okay so that was two years in toronto and then back to the family business yeah okay so you both would have been pretty young when you're putting together that plan yeah yeah i would have been i
1: was 22. yeah Hmm. 23 23 years old and uh took over took over the business in a leadership role uh, at 24, um, with employees who had worked, most of the employees had worked there longer than I'd been alive. Wow! At that point in time, yeah. and um, uh, you know, it didn't bother me. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> think, uh, but I, I, I'm going to say there were some of them had some challenges with that for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it was it was an interesting transition.
0: Yeah. Um, so. Maybe both of you kind of maybe see if you could think back a little bit to growing up um, around business. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you think of anything that your parents were doing to kind of prepare you for that phone call or prepare you for that opportunity in the future? (sighs) Hmm. Uh, Was there like... (laughs) You know, coaching on how to sell your rocks no. or, or like, <laughs> no. was it or like, were they doing anything intentionally, aside from you know, raising yeah. good humans? Or? Yeah, no,
2: they were definitely there was definite intention. Um, there's definite intention, I would say, with but it's it was not um structured intention, okay, I would say it was. Reading the newspaper at the breakfast oh, yeah. table and mm. talking about everybody had their section that they would read and we'd all talk about the things that that would happen or we would talk about. Um, oh, I this is a funny one. Speaking of the our mutual enjoyment of sales in a way is that my parents would always make us if you wanted to do something, if you wanted to find something, buy something, research something. To go to the Yellow Pages and find the businesses that did those things or sold (laughs) those things. And you had to call them and do all the research and get all the information. And then convince the drivers of the household to take you to wherever those businesses were. Or the
1: holders of the wallet. Or the holders of the
2: wallet as to why you needed these things from this place. And and (laughs) I think that that was a very early random unstructured I don't think he was planning it but that was definitely one of the pieces that I think back to
1: and I the 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 thing that came to mind that made me chuckle was he uh um we had but we developed uh, tastes for nice things and uh, and i would always you know have be trying to convince the holders of the wallet that i needed this nice thing and dad's response often was boy you better get a good job <laughs> you better you better earn a good income and support yourself in the style to which you've become accustomed <laughs> so that was uh it, it was motivation there for sure
0: and then and do we, either of you guys have kids yeah. yeah. Um, anything that you're doing differently or the same of what as what your dad did to kind of prepare them to be involved in the in the business or entrepreneurship in the future so
1: um i've got one son he is going on nine and two years ago we moved to uh, a home that's on a golf course and so mm-hmm. similar to the uh, hey you don't need this uh, we're going to repurpose it and sell it back to you yeah one of the fun things we like to do is go hunting for golf balls and we have a huge just tub of golf balls. And so we, we some will sit out there and clean them and package them. And we made a little sign and we go sit on the cart path. He has made more money in 30 minutes than I would make in an entire weekend with a, job as like a teenager sitting there selling golf balls he makes like 90 dollars in like 20 minutes i'm like what is going on oh my goodness and so uh so there's there's some of that
2: yeah yeah aaron's is pretty young my yeah my son is four okay so it's, it's pretty early i mean we talk about we we talk about money a little mm-hmm. bit. He's discovered that money is the thing that happens and makes <laughs> makes other things come and show up. And um, but one of the things that I foster in him that he kind of came with, <laughs> but I like to support is he's quite independent and he's very curious, as mm-hmm. many as many children are, but yep. he's especially uh, independent in his curiosity. And I like to just let him follow the strings wherever they go, hmm. and I think that that's that's something about entrepreneurship that and, and business ownership that it's like okay, well, where do, what happens here? This curiosity, yeah. How does this work? Where does this go? So if I do this, what happens next?
0: Hmm. Um, how do you manage conflict uh, within the business, kind of between between the two of you and other family members that might be involved in the business? Hmm um
1: we are the only family within the business um as it stands today and i think aaron and i handle conflict between each other very well um we speak openly uh back and forth um and uh it's recently we've had some challenges with that, uh, mm. you know, to be honest. It's been, uh, it hasn't been something we've had a ton of experience with. And we're, we're working our way through and trying to understand how that, uh, how that works today. Um, some of the things that, uh, you know, we always try and be approachable, you know, either to each other or to others within the business. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has kind of came to light recently was where we didn't think, uh, that there was any challenge um, for the staff, the other staff, the other key staff and management staff within the business, um, that there was no challenge by our relationship. Because we mm-hmm. got a great, we got a good relationship. Yep. Uh, and, and then uh, there was some conflict and it became evident that people hold stuff back uh, mm-hmm. because uh, there's some, because of our relationship. Uh, and they're they're either afraid to say something to us about it um, or uh, or they hold it back and and we're 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 learning lots uh, these days about that and trying to find um, new avenues to to understand it and deal with it. And you probably have a perspective on that, too.
2: yeah, the I think you're right in that when when we have a difference of opinion, we are able to. Um, discuss it with each other. And it can be a quite, you know, boisterous discussion. It
1: can be an active <laughs> It can be very active and
2: animated. And yet, there's, I don't think, at least for me, there's no, I don't question whether or not yeah. there's a, like, we're talking about the thing. We're not, the thing that we're discussing is the difference of opinion. It's not, mm-hmm it's not a personal conflict and okay. we discuss the thing boisterously and then we either resolve it, don't resolve it and or move on and, and then
1: go for coffee or yeah, drink and and totally then, talk about something else and do other yeah. things
2: and think about other things. Yeah. yeah and drives
1: my wife crazy too.
2: Yeah, we've, <laughs> because,
1: been, yeah we've been like it's that. It's always
2: whole been lives. the way we've been. Yeah. We like scream and yell at each other as siblings. And then you're like, Oh, so, you want to do something? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and, but the, it, the conflict that he's talking about that, that we're seeing that I didn't. I think I had an idea that it was there, but I didn't know the extent to which it had taken root, I guess. And the interesting part is that within discussions around family business, I find that there's lots of discussion around um, the family in the business. Mm-hmm. And yet, when this sibling relationship is strong and healthy, the fact that it can be a scene, that that healthiness of a relationship can be seen as a threat by others within the organization was kind of a light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, okay. Interesting. And there's there's a lot to learn about that Mm -hmm. because it's... It's not about. It's not between us. It's um, talking about and navigating through other people's perceptions Mm. and interpretations and other people's life experiences, right? And they come. They come to the business with uh, a lens that we don't know, (laughs) and they see us with a lens that we don't know. Maybe they don't even know.
0: Interesting. Um, so, what do you? So, so you know, it's a you know, hundred is a hundred and three year old business, or almost. Yeah, yeah.
2: hundred and two, I suppose. Yeah, hundred
0: and two and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And a half kind of. yeah. So, what do you do in the business? that's over a hundred years old. Um, to be able to kind of build that culture that kind of includes you know that continued innovation and entrepreneurship and collaboration. Um, great question.
1: Uh, when when we took over the business. Uh, it didn't have that Mm -hmm. Um, in some ways. There was a number of little silos in the business and people ran their own sort of lives, livelihoods, departments in some ways. Um, And we leveraged that um, as sort of ownership and it became one of our core values. Um, Back in 2011, we spent some time, you know, we, we... when, when I took over the business, uh, started trying all the things, you know, in our business plan and, and we had some success, early success and it was starting to grow. Um, and, uh, and we were doing well. And then in 2011, uh, we, we sat down with people and sort of took stock and, and had good conversations and created a set of core values and that ownership mentality, was one of the things that came out of that. Our core values became, uh, there's an acronym, uh, it's HONOR, spelled the Canadian way with a U. Uh, And and they stand for human leadership, ownership mentality, nurturing environment, open communication, united team, and renowned craftsmanship. And over the last 10 or 11 years, they are a constant conversation, uh, in the organization and sort of building that. But the value of that conversation was we had them with people who were new to the organization, who wanted to grow their career Mm -hmm. and their, uh, value to the organization and people who were, um, who'd been there longer than I'd been alive, you know, and, uh, it was a, it was a fantastic conversation and it, it just hit it on the head. So um, that's how.
0: Yes. Um, any kind of funny or memorable or, you know, good antidotes of kind of growing up in a family business? So either like lessons learned or pivotal moments or like awkward family picnics at the, in the company? Um,
1: I think uh, uh, <laughs> uh, conversations with uh, whenever, whenever dad would say he was going over to granddad's it was like oh no
2: (laughs) you know we're
1: oh we're never gonna leave as they talk business the whole time and you know they set us up on the tv with the old woody the woodpecker vhs and um it was not the most fun uh but um we had a any anything else come to mind for you on that regard
2: um yeah the One of the things that I remember and that always, like, sometimes it pissed me off as a kid was all of our family summer holidays. <laughs> We'd, we had this travel trailer. We went on long two-week camping yeah. holidays every summer. And, I mean, we had a blast. We'd go off an adventure and stuff. But every trip had at least one, sometimes two, customer visits <laughs> or plant visits or, you know, unique places where this is made visits.
1: Wow, I do that <laughs> yeah, <no>. today.
2: <laughs> yes, hmm. yes. And so that, like, that was one of the things where I was like, oh, really? We're going to a hatchery? <laughs> God, <laughs> look at the vents. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, that's an occupational hazard of an HVAC business. Every place you walk into, you're looking up going like, oh, man, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no fair. Um, yeah. So, looking forward, um, what do you think some of the biggest challenges are that you that the family business might face over the next ten years or so?
1: <sighs> um. So, being that we're a family business with very little family, mm. uh, we have some. Uh, we've we've got key staff, and we've got plans to grow the business, um, you know, geographically and specialty wise and, uh, the, the key staff that we have that really are, are at this point, they're, they're the team that I built around me to help uh, grow those, um, those specialties and those businesses, mm-hmm. uh, they're facing down retirement, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as we look to the future. And so like there's, there's a, an internal succession conversation. That's, that's a big conversation, yeah. uh, to have in a, in a technically based business with, um, with, with a lot of, uh, unique knowledge, um, And, and we've kind of just come through a real challenging time, you know, pre-COVID entrepreneurial wise, you know, Aaron made a comment about, uh, you know, uh, David's uh, l- lack of um, his his risk tolerance His mm-hmm. his is not, you know, I had a lack of risk tolerance and, and we did a lot of things to to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, did I say that rap bunk? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I went out and, uh, I, I, I took a lot of risks okay. and we, <laughs> yeah. we, the business, the business grew, yeah. uh, grew a lot. Uh, and, um, and we kind of outgrew our, our capacity, our capabilities. Okay. And so we had to shrink down and we had to sort of rebuild our balance sheet and we've come through that time. Uh, and so looking to the future is, is, getting back to strategic thinking and execution uh and taking the right risks and calculating them right you know mm. um, is is the, one of the other big pieces yeah
0: um so aside from the the roadmap course that you would have done with abfi when you were 17 or 20 <laughs> um what do you think is kind of the, the most memorable kind of book or speaker or seminar that mm. has changed the way that you manage the business or manage your life or manage your, your strategy your marketing Mm-hmm. um maybe we'll we'll start with you aaron to put you on the spot mm-hmm. Wait, you look like you're thinking do you I, know? Uh,
2: yeah do you know yeah yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah you go
1: okay so um uh thomas dean's uh every family's business hmm. is a is a, a was a life-changing book for me i saw him speak at an event in calgary uh, i bought his book um i think i devoured it on an airplane ride and then i bought like 40 copies of it and i gave it to everybody i knew i I gave i gave my dad like five copies i'm like give this to all your old family business buddies um and uh i gave it to you know my accountant my lawyer and all my (laughs) all the people that i knew who were in family business because um it was a real great story about the shift of a family business to a business family and the Mm. understanding of um you know you should be taking stock right of yeah. your business uh, uh as the owner whether it's a hundred year old family legacy or not yeah and is this business doomed because we're in the i don't know paperclip business like that could be a great business i don't mean to <laughs> hawk the business, but they um it, it could be that it's uh you know, it's, it's at the end of its life cycle and we need to do something about it or do we just ride it into the ground and that's it? Yeah. You know, so um, we can come back to that and where I've taken my, my thoughts on ownership after Aaron has a second, if that's okay. Yeah. Nice.
2: Yeah, I think that for me, the roadmap was really influential for me. <laughs> I wish, like, we did it, like, like we said, we did it really early. Mm. And the conversations that happened outside of Roadmap, like, we, as a family, we stayed up until sometimes two o'clock. We should find those tapes. We taped all of those conversations. Really? Did you know that? No. Yeah. So we taped the conversations that, and there's got to be tapes somewhere. Um, <laughs> we taped the conversations we had after Roadmap. Hmm. And considering we were in our teens, it would be interesting to hear what our thoughts were at the time. Yeah. But yeah, cause roadmap was influential. Um, that, that it was definitely influential. Um, built to last. Yep. Yeah. The Jim Collins, um, mm-hmm. built to last, good to degree. Good degree, great, great yeah. by choice. All of those were, uh, I would say quite, quite impactful for me. Um, I think that's all I got okay. at the top of my head.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then you wanted to dive back into ownership for a second?
1: Yeah. Um, so, as part of uh, a long term spin off of our core values and that ownership mentality, it it really hit a chord with me. And I couldn't figure out why um, as sort of 2011 through 2016, 17. And, and it finally hit me that. Um, You know, we were approaching our hundredth year and we had um, uh, people who'd been with the business for multiple generations, not just longer than I'd been alive, but multiple generations of their family had worked in our business. Uh, And it was, you know, and, and the ownership mentality was so strong within the people of those you know, families and the people who were, you know, working in the business every day to make our business successful, uh, and, and embodied that ownership mentality. That um, I, I started exploring employee ownership, hmm. and uh, for our hundredth anniversary, um, we launched our employee share ownership plan. And within the first two years, so we're going into the third offering uh there's an annual process and my my vision for that is to be a broad-based employee owned business hmm. um and uh into our third year offering which hasn't uh, hasn't been completed yet we have 24 27 employee shareholders wow um and you know at varying degrees and levels but um like that's the legacy to mm-hmm. me is to to imp- to, to secure the legacy of uh, of vets in, as an institution and to secure the legacy with the people and to have them stay and build that business and to benefit from it. The yeah. same way we have, the same way the Rainers have for a 100 years, mm-hmm. uh, for the next 100 is to build that um, employee ownership uh to just you know that ownership mentality to the next level where yeah. the company has reciprocated it
0: yeah one well, that shows like a lot of like respect and yeah. kind of commitment to the to the organization for that number of people to want to join in on
2: that <laughs> it's an it's interesting to see the, sh- the like the literal like you almost see the shift in somebody who buys yeah. shares who uses their who takes the money out of their bank account mm-hmm. to buy shares mm-hmm. at vets mm-hmm. uh we have this great story about so when when we launched the eSOP we talked about um how we would would we would we promote that would we promote that we have employee shareholders within the organization and we had we had one gentleman who was like oh I don't know I don't know if I want this on my business card like uh, I don't know mm-hmm. what the reception's gonna be. And and uh he was in a meeting with a a customer, a big group of um uh, particular customer and put his card down on the table and and like took a risk, pointed it out. I might be not telling the story. No, you're on yeah Yeah. you like took a risk, pointed it, pointed Mm -hmm. out. You'll notice there
1: I'm a I'm an an owner. owner. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: and the customer said, Yeah, I noticed. And he's like
1: Yeah. That's why you're still here
2: yeah that's why you're an owner
1: and and we see how you care and what you present and the ownership you have in it and that's why we're having these conversations he's like yes okay yeah so it was funny he was he he was excited to tell us that story because he was like i was like i want that on my card
0: yeah yeah that's amazing um so if you think back to kind of you know someone who might be in your shoes today, walking into a family business at you know a young age that's about to take over for several generations. Mm. Any advice that you would give to that individual? Yeah. Um, be humble. Um,
1: ask questions um, and uh, expect that you're not the one with the answer. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yes. Anything to add to
2: that here? Yeah, for sure. Um, if you're not a fit mm-hmm. now, stepping away doesn't necessarily mean that the legacy is not yours. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't mean that you can't come back. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, so before I kind of wrap things up a little bit, do you guys know what happened? I've been thinking about this for a while. Do you know what happened to Barry
2: Sheet Metal? <sighs> well, you have been thinking about this for a while. <laughs> uh, no. Okay. <laughs> there was. It's funny though. We have these. The vet Supreme furnace had this door on it, It's like a cast it's iron like, a, like door. Yeah. 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 And so every now and then we get a call being like, "Hey, we have this furnace in our garage or something," <laughs> and we get we had a whole bunch of these doors. And and we got one once that had Barry's name on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a a cast iron furnace door uh, of Barry's sheet metal that's in my office as well. So sort of part of the
0: history.
2: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Google doesn't help. Okay. No. You can't go back that far on the Google that I've found.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I no, that, that was just, just trying to think through that the whole time yeah, we were talking. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap things up, um, if people want to learn more about Vets, if people you know need a really good you know replacement for their berries furnace in their garage, <laughs> or or have some more industrial needs um, on kind of the HVAC, um, on the dust collection mm-hmm. or the sheet metal, how do they learn more? How do they get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, vetsgroup.com would be a good place to start. And you um, can put my email in the show notes if you
0: want. Okay. Excellent. We'll do that. Um, all right. Um, th- we wanted to thank both both of you, Aaron and Sean, so much for joining us today. Um, it's been a very easy conversation. Um, and I learned a lot from kind of the, the key points that you guys had. So thank you.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah,
0: anytime. Thanks for joining us on Table Talk today. If you want to learn more about the roadmap course that Sean and Aaron mentioned, visit our website at www.abfi.ca. If you want to suggest some guests or provide us with some feedback, please send me an email, matt.knight, that's two T's and a K, at ualberta.ca.